Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I am all in. More, more, more. I want to kiss you more. More, more, more. I want to kiss you more. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, everybody. Scott Patterson, I am all in podcast. We have a very, very, very special guest, Norman Mailer's son, Stephen, uh, played the interviewer uh, and Norman Mailer for one episode in 2004, and that was Norman Mailer, I'm Pregnant. Season five, episode six. Steven is a stage actor and a screen actor. Uh, his credits include appearances in films like Cry Baby, Baby Mama, and Another Woman, um, and the television shows Gilmore Girls, Law & Order, Special Victims Unit, and A League of Their Own. Um and uh, he is the son to a very extraordinary uh, and uh, iconic literary figure in the history of American letters, the, the one and only Norman Mailer. And here is his son, Stephen Mailer. Hello, Stephen. Thank you uh, for joining us. Do you remember, Stephen, how it came to be that your father agreed to be on this show? Yeah, very well. Uh, a dear friend of mine, Jessica Queller, was a writer on the show. And they just wrote an episode, I believe, that where, you know, the character of Norman Mailer was um, in the in the restaurant um, owned by Lauren Graham and that Melissa McCarthy was the uh, was the chef, I believe. And um, and so she called me and said, hey, your dad is a character in an episode. Do you, you know, would he be interested in doing it? 
So I asked him and he said, I'll, well, I'll do it if, if, if they put you in it too. And so that's how it all began. And I'm an actor. And so, yeah. Um, so it didn't take that much convincing. Not at all. It was great. <laughs> he was, he was all in. Because I, you know, he, he's uh, known to have hated television. Is that true? Um, you know, I guess he, I guess he was opposed to what television could kind of do to the mind, can kind of dull the mind, mm -hmm. and you know, like any, I mean, television is very addictive. Mm -hmm. I think it was more the, the not necessarily the content, but the the action of just losing oneself, right. Oh, and television and i don't know what he would think now in the age of streaming oh my like, goodness oh. yes <laughs> um but he watched you know he like near, near the end of his life he loved to watch uh, live poker right and uh and he watched love watching football um baseball not so much after the dodgers left brooklyn he denounced baseball so, <laughs> yeah but he i think he lost a little basketball and you know mm -hmm. um political debates, things like that. Right, right, right. Um, so what do you remember about being on set? I, um, I had the, the best time. I, you know, it was, it was wonderful to be there with Jess and I'm glad that it worked out, you know, for her as well. And, and um, it was lovely. It was, um, you know, uh, it was a wonderful week that I spent with my dad and, and um, everyone was, was terrific. We had, I remember having dinner with the producers, I think Amy and Dan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was really fun. And, and um, the cast and crew was fantastic. And mm -hmm. um, I remember Melissa McCarthy coming up to me and saying, see, are you an actor? I was like, oh yeah. And she's like, oh God, cause you're making it look too easy. <laughs> Anybody can do this. Yeah, right. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah. so, so what, what, what do you remember uh, about your interactions with uh, uh, the two of uh, those monoliths of acting melissa and lauren yeah they were delightful yeah. they were um, yeah just really charming and, and sweet and supportive and uh, very respectful of my father mm. and and i remember the director of the episode you know um loved my dad's work and so it was just, yeah it was it was uh, just a, a lovely experience all around you know uh, you're so inside baseball because you're his son you know yeah. who, you know and my my father um was one of those guys who after world war ii on the gi bill uh you know graduating from one of the ivies wanted to write the great american novel and he was inspired by the naked and the dead and wow. those legions of men and women that attempted to do this um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how large a figure how large a um and how iconic a figure your dad was even at that time when I was a very small child, uh, because I know the naked and the dead hit like, uh, you know, it hit like a bomb. It was just, it was just this amazing experience. It was, wasn't it the first, uh, uh, real war novel, a modern war novel that had that kind of an impact? I believe so. I know, um, the naked and the dead in particular just really touched that whole generation. Right. That's the other it's kind of similar to the naked and the dead. I think Terrence Malick made a film of it. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the, that was the, th the thin red line. Maybe the red line. Yeah. 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 Right. right. Um, and I, there are elements of it in platoon as well. I mean, I think Oliver Stone yeah. is very, very influenced by the naked and the dead. Yeah. I remember my dad talking about like, <laughs> my dad's like, oh, they only ripped off my book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, just such such a thrill to know that Norman Mailer was coming to our show to be in a scene was just it it oh. it, it, it was it was hard to wrap your your mind around it. Um, oh, but it that. happened, and there he was in the diner, and it was just yeah, it, it was an, an amazing day. Um, that was the last scene of the episode, right? Where, where right. you're like, these guys are in here; they're not ordering anything. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Lunch was canceled, so I'm canceling you. That was yeah, a, yeah, that yeah. was a great monologue from from Melissa. <laughs> taking your lemons away. Oh, look, I'm going to read your book for free. I'm not even going to pay for it. Just like, you know, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, um, so Norman, uh, he had a lot of lines to remember. Did he, did he rehearse with you? Uh, did he have him down pretty pat? Or? I think, I think for the most part, he and I were just kind of improvising. I had, I played a, uh, someone who was interviewing him for a magazine piece or a newspaper piece. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we, you know, I asked him a lot of political questions. So that part was improvised. He did have some lines. My dad, you know, um, it was a bit of a ham as an actor. You know, he made those uh, three experimental films at the end of the 60s. And I love them because they're all these old buddies and they're like my aunts and uncles and they're like home movies to me. Mm -hmm. But they're they're kind of ridiculous. Right. And, um, and uh, so, you know, <laughs> I think I think it was... The improv uh, was came out, you know, far more organically than a lot of those lines. And mm -hmm. and uh, but uh, as far as him remembering, I you know I don't I don't think it was a lot to memorize. I think it was you know a, a couple of, a couple of words here, a couple of words there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I knew he was he really wanted to do a great job, and he was trying you know giving it his all. And how how old were you, how old were you back then? I was thirty. Was it two thousand four? I was thirty eight. You were 38 yeah. years old. Okay. Yeah. And he passed just in 2007, right? 2007. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was 81. And um, so uh, are fans recognizing you for this role? Gilmore fans, do they come up to you? My, um, my, my niece um, was a huge Gilmore girls fan. She was, at, you know, in high school at the time when it came out, it was just like crazy. <laughs> she watched with all her friends and she and her, my sister, Danielle, kind of you know thought of themselves as the gilmore girls right well because daniel looked very young and so they just sort of you know so the show really spoke to them in in, in that way right right i so, you know i i really want to get into um what a terrific debater he was what a terrific personality he was what a, what a towering intellect uh he was um, and how he came on the Dick Cavett show for people who don't know who Dick Cavett, the Dick Cavett was, uh, Dick Cavett had a talk show. He had a very popular daytime talk show. Um, yeah. and he would have all of the leading figures, uh, of the day. And then, I mean, when the Dick Cavett show, it was a seventies show. It wasn't eighties or sixties and sixties and seventies. Right. Okay. All right. Um, so you know, it was a different time back then. It, it, it was it was politicians. It was it was artists. It was individuals. When people really, you know, were imbued with individuality, and a lot of a lot of authors came on, a lot of writers, uh, um, and you know, to watch that uh, that tête-à-tête -tête between your father and Gore Vidal, because Gore Vidal had been very critical of your father. He was very critical of Naked and the Dead. He, he said, it's just a John De Dos Passos ripoff. Um, huh. And, you know, just trying to, to label your father as a male chauvinist pig because your father dared to make these arguments um, 
and analyzed the women's movement at the time uh, and wrote a very thoughtful piece about it because he was, he was also known as a, you know, quite an, uh, a bright light in the field of journalism because he, he, he combined uh, the sensibility and the subjectivity and the artistry and the complexity of a novelist with, you know, the subjective uh, discipline that is journalism. Um, so what do you remember about th those battles with Gore and Vidal? And I know they were friends, but then when Gore started, you know, um, painting him with this sort of brush that he was this sort of thick-headed, egotistical male chauvinist who was obsessed with murder and, you know, violence and this kind of thing. What, what, what do you remember about those times? Yeah, I mean, I think it was unfortunate because they were really good friends and then they had a falling out. And I, I think my dad's whole shtick, and even on that, is that he's, you know, he was really politically incorrect. So he liked to say things to sort of get, you know, a conversation started. You know what I'm saying? And... um so with Gore, I, I don't, you know, I, I can't really speak to, you know, um, how uh, that relationship necessarily went south in terms of, you know, I think it was just, you know, it was a couple of really powerful egos clashing. Mm -hmm. And then they did have a physical altercation at a, at a cocktail party. Oh, did they really? Yeah. And that, that was in the, in the seventies, I believe. Um, Cause they, they didn't talk for a long time and they saw each other and uh, I mean, my history, I don't want to, my history might not be that accurate, mm -hmm. but I know, yeah, there was, it was a little something. Um, and, uh, and then um, they didn't speak for years after that, but then they ended up doing a reading of Don Juan in hell okay. in, in a Cape Cod in, in a, a province town or Truro, Massachusetts. And so they, you know, they made amends. And so that was lovely that they were able to mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. come back together because right. they both had great minds. And, and even those shows are, you know, are really fast. I, I remember I saw the other night, um, my dad on the William F. Buckley uh, Jr. show. That was really intense, you know, and, and uh, my dad was just sort of, he was a wild figure in those days. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and he was drinking a lot and, you know, and um, I don't think he was really doing drugs anymore, maybe a little pot, but um, he was, you know, he was, he was out there. Like a lot of people were in the sixties. Right. It was a wild time. Right, right. And he did have just such an extraordinary um, political mind. Yes. I love to sit at the dinner table listening to him. And he predicted everything that's happening, you know, in America right now in terms of democracy. And, and my youngest brother, uh, John, um, and a gentleman named uh, J. Michael Lennon, who is uh, the authorized biographer of my dad and uh, came out with a book called A Double Life several years ago. Uh, John and Mike um, put together a compilation of a lot of my dad's political writings. Yeah, it's called um, A Mysterious Country. Mm. The... Uh, the grace and fragility of American democracy. Mm. And this just came out and, and, uh, and I've been reading it. It's just very profound. And there's an excerpt from the, the naked and the dead uh, when the, the general's going on sort of is really um, um, talking about fascism uh, with, with um, intrigue and, and uh, you know, and positivity and, and making trying to make it sound very good, but then there's this you know intellectual lieutenant or captain who you know thinks he's full of shit, sort of challenging him subtly, but the general really loves that he's challenging him. And that's why he befriends him so they can have these discussions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a really cool, like the six tenets of democracy, right? Uh, that that John and Mike kind of um, derive from a lot of my dad's 
uh, theories. Mm-hmm. And real quick, which administrations did your father consider to be totalitarian? Because he wrote about that. Was it Nixon? Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone, mm-hmm. you know, I think Reagan, um, right. um, Bush, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he loved Obama. He passed before Obama um, was elected, um, but he was, you know, saw the, the beginning of the campaign and just just thought he was amazing. I'm sure he would have been, it's, I'm so sad that he passed. It's not see that happen. Mm-hmm. It was a great moment in this, in this country. Right, a uh, year before Obama was elected, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. I have it here on my phone. I want to read it because it's really, uh, it's just great. So one, uh, exercise free speech and encourage civic involvement. Two, build left-right bridges and dialogue. Three, be wary of corporate power and create equity between uh, worker rewards and corporate, corporate profits. Four, mend the wounds of slavery and eliminate all forms of discrimination. Five, distrust flag-waving patriotism. Six, never forget the past. <laughs> just that little piece, just in terms of, you know, as I said, what's happening now. I I love that. It's very succinct and, and um, beautiful and hopeful and I think full of love and, and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, because he really cared. He really loved, he loved this country. He loved, you know, democracy and, and um, loved the art that came out of this country. Loved jazz. Mm-hmm. Um he ran for mayor, didn't he? Mayor of New York City. He ran for mayor in 1969, yeah. yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> I don't, I remember, I think he debated um, William F. Buck. I think he was the, is he the, no, he was a Republican, I'm pretty sure. He was at that time, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he he did not like liberals uh, yeah. back in the day, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think he became the mayor, though, Buckley. But no. but having a debate. Right, and, um, and that talk show was right before I think they they ended up they had that debate, mm-hmm. but I um, mean yeah, he wanted to turn New York um, City into the fifty first state. <laughs> that was his platform. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's some funny clips of him, you know, um, you know, going around the city and and talking to the crowds and yeah. And there was a joke I think with he, he was friends with Warren Beatty. <laughs> And Warren, uh, I remember there was some talk back in the day of Warren Beatty maybe running for president, mm-hmm. and um, and my, and he called my dad to, to discuss some some um, policies or something. I forget what they want to discuss, um, but he's like, "All right, but I'm going to make a deal with you." And um, and, and Beatty said, "What?" He's like, "I get I get to be the VP." Or that, or, or Beatty said, "All right, you'll be the VP," and my or my dad wanted something else, but I can't remember. Right, right. right. Yeah, some um, sort of, he wanted to be a member of the cabinet. Ah, uh, summer, the best time of the year. Usually, it doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices, and vacation disappears quicker than ice cream melts. But what if summer doesn't have to come with a scorching price tag? What if there's another way? With IKEA, your plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Dreamy getaways can mean the perfect reading nook right outside your window, picnic in the shade, or taking your morning coffee to meet the morning sun. Really Any meal tastes better outside. 
Create that summer escape for family and friends and start planning a better, more affordable summer right now. You can be the host with the most and the least worries. This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So Norman does Gilmore Girls. Uh, you guys fly back. Uh, I guess he 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 lived in New York. I'm, I'm assuming or he lived in Brooklyn. Yeah, at that time he was living in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Provincetown. Okay. All yeah, right. yeah. He yeah. and my stepmother Norris moved there after my my brother John went to college. Right. In that um, uh, um, uh, uh, 1996. Right. So he lived for the last 20 years of his life. So it was a big deal, and his you know he didn't move very well. You know, I met him in in Boston, and. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, he had to have a wheelchair through the thing. So he was really, I don't know, he was doing a great favor for me. I I had just split um, uh, from my ex-wife and we had two small boys, five and one. So I just moved into my own apartment in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. and money was a little tight. So this is just just helped to get this this gig. And and so that was part of it. Right. Um, but it was lovely just to spend time with him. And, and he, you know, my stepmother was his sixth wife mm-hmm. and he had you know, nine children. So so he he um really knew how to commiserate <laughs> with me in terms of what I was going through. <laughs> so it was a really cool journey. And um and uh yeah and we and um I love just helping him and being a part of that and, mm-hmm. and uh and I remember uh, the loveliest thing that happened there though was I think there was a break in shooting and he was sitting outside and a, a lot of the, the young writers gathered around him and they had a little sort of forum, you know, and and um and he just loved loved holding court, and he just loved loved the art of writing, and um, and so and and Jessica had told her, I never I didn't see this I don't know where I was but but Jess said that happened and and um, and I and that he you know was just so um, giving and and and, right. and open and that the the writers on the staff just loved it. How did he? So he goes to Harvard. He graduates. With a with a degree in aeronautical engineering, yes. If I am not mistaken, yeah. Okay, so 
one thing leads to another. How how does that? Where's that bridge from aeronautical engineering to journalism? Well, he had written a story when he was um, eight years old, right? And the teacher called my grandmother in and said, um, uh, "You obviously wrote this for him. This is this is a big no no." And my my grandmother was incensed. She's like, "I would never do something saying my my you know my, my boy is a genius." You know, <laughs> And uh, so I think that was the first little like, oh, you know, he's got some talent here. And then he won a major short story uh, writing contest when he was at Harvard and was on the road to the lampoon. Oh, he did. He was he was one. of He was oh, OK. All right. Yeah. So I think the writing was always there. And then for, you know, for, for people listening in, if you don't know what the Harvard lampoon is or was, I, I, I'm assuming it's still um, I think it's still there. Yeah. Still standing. Uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of the writers uh, from the Harvard Lampoon end up in Hollywood writing uh, films and major TV shows, and there's a oh, yeah. a real lineage from from Harvard to to Hollywood. So, um, yeah. So, so he, was he ever tempted to uh, follow in the footsteps of so many before him to come to Hollywood and start writing for film and TV? When the Naked and the Dead came out, mm-hmm. you know, he became instantly um, famous and. You know, at that time when you had the number one bestseller, it's, it was a very big deal. Right. And um, it's a, I'm sure it's a big deal now, but just in terms of, you know, reading, it was before television. Um, so reading was, I think, more more of the culture of the day, of that day. Right. And, um, right. The so, real the real rock stars of the day were writers. Yeah, the, absolutely. The, intellect, the intellectuals yeah, yeah. were bigger than actors. They were bigger than musicians. They were the thing. Yeah. Well, jazz musicians are pretty like, you know, the, the Miles Davis and the Charlie Parkers, right. like those, like that scene, the, the writers and the, you know, jazz right. musicians, that was it. Yeah. It wasn't politicians. It wasn't musicians. It wasn't actors. I mean, even though it was, but yeah. it was really like the big writers that everybody, everybody yeah. read them. Everybody yeah. discussed yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah. Hemingway was my dad's hero. Right. You know, Steinbeck, you know, all of the Fitzgerald. And um, so he came out to Hollywood because they, you know, the, the film got bought. I mean, the book got bought to be a film. And um, and he lived out here for about a year and um, sort of in that scene. But he didn't he really didn't like it to me. To him, it felt like a lazy summer day, you know, every day. And he just couldn't really get any writing done. Mm-hmm. So it was a brief year. And, and, um, and then since, you know, I mean, I think he always when he was at college, he got cast in um awake and sing hmm. so he got that bar and he, and he learned his lines and then um i think uh the what did the war race something happened where the, the play did, did not go on so he feels like if that had happened he might have been an actor <laughs> but he always yeah he always loved film and and um and made some like um i remember some films in from like the early 50s in brooklyn heights and then um, it ended up making these, you know, sort of three kind of seminal, um, wild improv- improvisational films mm-hmm. that, you know, are part of the Criterion Collection. You know, again, a lot of people, <laughs> um, I think for friends and family, you know, it's, uh, uh, we, we dig them, but, you know, it, they can be a lot, leave a lot to be desired for others. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up uh, directing Tough Guys Don't Dance, one of his novels. And, oh. and we always, you know, yeah. So I think you know he. Um, I think he he loved great filmmaking. 
but was very impatient if uh, like in terms of like watching television with him, well, that was a nightmare because he would literally watch something for a minute and he'd get it and he'd move on. It was just like constant, you know, right. uh, channel surfing. Right, right, right. So, um, so uh, tell us a little bit about um, the aftermath of um, of when the show actually aired. Uh, was was Norman approached by people? Um, oh my God, you were on Gilmore Girls, and they didn't know him. They didn't really know him as Norman Mailer. They didn't know who Norman Mailer was or what he'd done in his career, but they knew him from Gilmore Girls. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> ended up knowing him from Gilmore Girls. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't. You know, it's that that part of this I don't remember as well, Scott. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I think he did get a lot of recognition from doing that show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing how yeah. many people recognize, like you know, they'll recognize extras from the show. And, yes, yeah, I yeah. Mean, they, they they pour over every detail of every episode. It's a very dedicated, oh, yeah, as, as yeah. you well know, they're very dedicated. So so, what are you working on now? What are you, what are you doing now with your career? I I made a film. I I um I, I'm a writer as well. I had to get into a 17 year. Uh, uh, men's group based on the work of Carl Jung, where mm. uh, about identifying the father's dark shadow, processing that, mm -hmm. and then connecting to their golden shadow, their creativity. So I was always wanted to be a writer, but I just couldn't get past the the shadow part of it. Right. In the seventeen years of group, I finally, after several years, started writing, and I wrote a few plays and a couple of screenplays and a a pilot for a sketch comedy show, and I ended up. Um, um, just producing and, and directing the the screen one of the screenplays that I did. Mm. It's called Flower Brook. It's really wild. It's sort of like Mel Brooks on acid. <laughs> and, um, it's out there, and it's, and again, a lot of very you know similar to my like a lot of my you know family and friends. That's a lot of acid. I mean, Mel yeah. Brooks is already <laughs> on acid, <laughs> and then there's but that, more. You know, that the early like young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles right. are so. You know, Genius. and I went to when I was eight and nine. Genius you know, films, I know, yeah. I know. Particularly Young Frankenstein, oh, I think. Yeah. And Gene Wilder was my hero. Blazing Saddles, Very, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I really, so I did that. It's been a really long process. You know, I got an LLC in 2016, and then shot it in 2017. And then I've been really been editing it, and I'm even editing it right now. I'm just doing the final sort of credit sequence, and and um, so I'm gonna have some screenings of that, and and it was just a, a wonderful process. I just love it, and. Uh, um yes that's 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 what i'm doing right now oh terrific um yeah it's it's interesting i i uh, produced a and uh, financed a film in 2013 and i'm still editing it as well it's, i'm yeah. still putting yeah. the finishing touches on it i may, I may never yeah, release yeah. it <laughs> but yeah yeah i'm certainly gonna get it right or else I'm, i'll die trying um i love editing it's so much fun and, and you uh, know what i do too it's the yeah. best part of it for me yeah I mean, that's really where the film is made. Yes, it is. You know, and, and it really helps to have a great editor. Oh. I mean, it sort of like works with you and is really positive and supportive. Yeah, and I've had two. And they're, they were both. I did as well. Yeah. And they were both wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. we are really shaping this film. Um, yeah. You know, it's too bad we don't have a cooperative director or a lead actress. But, <laughs> you know, that's why it's taking so long. But, um you know, people's feelings get hurt and their vision get, they feel their vision got crushed. And it's like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, people are either going to watch your film and then they're going to go watch paint dry 
and they're going to have a better time watching the paint dry. So we've <laughs> got to save this film somehow. Um, anyway, um, what else can you tell us about the experience that we haven't gone through? Um, I think that's did he the- enjoy it? Did he really enjoy it? Yeah, he did absolutely. Yeah. And um, and he had a great friend out here, a guy named uh, Mickey Knox, and another friend, uh, Larry Schiller. Um, and we all went out to dinner. I think Larry sort of, you know, told him how to do the deal because Larry's a producer and writer and mm-hmm. photographer and mm-hmm. took those famous photographs of Marilyn Monroe in the pool years ago. Um, it was a real Hollywood, you know. Tell, um, tell us about this. What was his relationship with with Marilyn Monroe? Because I know he wrote a book about her. Yeah, he just um, he never met her. He sat behind her once at a like a movie premiere or, or a play. And I think she was married to Arthur Miller at the time. Right. And he almost tapped her on the shoulder, but it didn't happen. If it had happened, then, you know, who knows? I could be Marilyn Monroe's son. <laughs> I never know. But um, <laughs> I think he just really, he really loved, he would just, you know, um, was really infatuated with her. Mm. And, um, and as a kid, we got to, you know, I remember just, he would get all the copies of the film. We'd watch them in the living room. And and I didn't realize at that age, like what an extraordinary you know actress she she is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like I mean, she, she just played this ditzy, dumb right. blonde. She was brilliant. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Like the greatest ever. And so yep. I think he really he really um, celebrates that in the book. And there's a lot of beautiful photos. And and uh, Larry actually made deals with um, um, uh, Taschen, this great German. Um, sure. Oh yeah, and so Marilyn just came out. Marilyn and um, and the fight before that, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful, beautiful photos. And um, yeah, Larry and Larry was great because Larry actually brought the Gary Gilmore um, right. Uh, he bought the rights to that and yeah. came to my father, and I believe that's how they first met. Right. I really want you to. Um, well, actually, no. I guess he must have known him from Marilyn because he won the Pulitzer for uh, the execution right. song. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Larry brought that to my father, mm-hmm. and, um, and that that in in American Dream also also won the Pulitzer, you know, or I think considered his, you know, and not Naked in the Dead was the like, the Pulitzer around back then. It didn't it, Naked in the Dead didn't win the Pulitzer, um, huh. but it won Book of the Year award. Like right. I think it won a lot of awards. Right, right, right. Um, but, but my not- dad in later years would sort of he would read through and he's like, oh my god, I was such a young writer, I made so many mistakes. <laughs> Talking about editing the film, right? <laughs> Sure. So he yeah. might have even like rewritten some of it, you know, right, to right, right, for right. himself. Right. I don't know. I could see him doing that. Ah, uh, summer, the best time of the year. Usually it doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices, and vacation disappears quicker than ice cream melts. But what if summer doesn't have to come with a scorching price tag? What if there's another way? With IKEA. Your plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Dreamy getaways can mean the perfect reading nook right outside your window, picnic in the shade, or taking your morning coffee to meet the morning sun. Really, any meal tastes better outside. Create that summer escape for family and friends and start planning a better, more affordable summer right now. You can be the host with the most and the least worries. 
This summer, make your doorstep the perfect vacation destination with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So we're going to play a little game called Rapid Fire. You ready? Hmm? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. How do you like your coffee? I drink a French press in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I don't know what it's with the, 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 the basic size, the, one, the, the, the traditional size. Sure. And, and I do that uh, every morning. So it's probably about uh, two very large cups. Okay. Black, uh, uh, organic, hence, Sumatra. It's called Rapid Fire, Rapid Fire. Thank you. <laughs> my middle name is Tangent. Are you Team Logan, Team Jesse? Team, team? TV Tangents from Brooklyn. How you doing? Yeah. You're not going to get a quick answer from me. All right, all right. All right, so we'll rename the we'll rename this. Uh, are you Team Logan, Team Jess, or Team Dean, if you have any idea what that means? I don't. Oh, is that is that a, is it, part of the Gilmore Girls? Yes. Yes. I, I, um, you, okay, so we'll. I guess that would be who is the Melissa McCarthy character. Uh, so your team uh, Suki. I would be team Suki. Okay, your team Suki. For, so yeah. you think Suki is better suited for Rory as an intimate? Okay, great. Uh, you're on record now. There's no taking it back. I love Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I understand. Uh, we all do. Uh, who was your favorite Gilmore Girls couple? Luke and Lorelai, or Richard and Emily? Were were you Luke? I was. Yeah, Luke and Lorelai. That all right, all right. I think I still am Luke. The last time I checked, but uh, uh, I shouldn't refer to it as in the past tense. But maybe that <laughs> is the case. Uh, what would you order at Luke's diner? Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, a rapid fire, rapid fire. Uh, uh, cheeseburger deluxe. <laughs> there we go. Jackson or Taylor for the town selectman. Oh. I gotta refresh my. I don't. Uh, you you would you would want you would want Taylor. Just say Taylor. 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 Good. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, would you rather listen to Hep Alien or the Troubadours cover songs? The Troubadours cover songs. Troubadours cover good songs. Good answer. You're nailing this. Harvard <laughs> or Yale? Harvard. Harvard, of course. Uh, 
What's Rory's bigger mistake? Crashing the car her boyfriend built for her or sleeping with her ex who is married? And by the way, they happen to be the same person. So what's the bigger mistake? The car crash or the... uh, The sleeping. The... uh, Okay. The sleeping with the ex. Okay. Yes. And you're correct about that. Uh, uh, Who from Gilmore would you not want to be stuck on a desert island with? Oh, I, I think all the characters were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the the father of Lorelai's dad? Wasn't he a little? Uh, wasn't he a little cantankerous? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe him. So maybe Michelle, the snooty French concierge at the Dragonfly Inn. I guess so. Yes, Michelle. <laughs> I don't know. It just came to me. I'm about to see him, so I wanted to get that in, so I have something over. I love this game. Uh, I love this game. This is awesome. Uh, something in your life you are all in on. Being a father and a husband. There you go. All right, Stephen, it was a pleasure, and uh, we'd love to have you back on. I got a million more things I want to talk with you about. Um, but anyway... Best of luck to you and uh, thank you. keep thank on you. keeping on, brother. And yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank me. you, thank you for uh, yeah, and sharing. My apologies for. Um, oh no worries, but thank you, thank you for sharing uh, um, uh, these these very warm and very intimate stories of your father. Oh, it's my pleasure, and he'd be thrilled. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Thank you, you too, brother. All right, bud. Take care. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, ScottyP.com, S-C-O-T-T-Y-P.com, ScottyP.com. Grade one specialty coffee. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.